Welcome to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Today, I'm flying solo to recap week six of the NFL season, hand out weekly awards, and answer questions from the mailbag. This is a great episode. I hope you all enjoy Man, I woke up feeling dangerous today. Week six was a great week of football. Absolutely fascinating games from a storyline perspective as well as close calls. I want to go ahead and hand out my weekly awards for week six of the NFL. And the first award is a special one. The Poopy Pants of the Week Award goes to Baker Mayfield. And he absolutely blew away the competition in terms of earning this award. You got to give him all the credit in the world. In Pittsburgh, went out and absolutely earned it. He pooped his pants. And that diaper is so stinky that OBJ wouldn't even mess with it. I mean, get that man some baby wipes and some baby powder. As Steve Smith might say, powder up, son. Absolutely embarrassing from Baker Mayfield. The only thing he leads the league in is commercials. And there's a Heisman House commercial with Baker Mayfield saying that he can only perform under pressure. And it's absolutely the opposite. Every time there is pressure on Baker Mayfield or they're playing a quality opponent, he absolutely shrinks. Just this year, against teams with a winning record, he has four touchdowns five interceptions, and a QB rating in the 60s. If we go back to his previous years, you'll see very similar statistics, and the Browns simply lose. The Browns and Baker Mayfield continue to be frauds, continue to beat up on the bad opponents, and then play a quality opponent and absolutely get embarrassed. So the Browns need to be quiet for a couple weeks, at least. I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield, although... He did win one award this week. It was the Poopy Pants of the Week Award. Baker Mayfield, congratulations. Next award, the Belichick versus Brady Battle for Dynasty Credit Award. And after a couple weeks of flip-flopping back and forth, as we like to do in the media, this week, Tom Brady takes full control after the Patriots drop to 2-3, and three, and the Bucks have a awesome win against the Green Bay Packers at home. Blow them out. Brady plays well. Brady on this season has 14 touchdown passes to just four interceptions. He's playing great football, pushing the ball down the field, and the Bucks are a team on the rise. Just wait until they get all their weapons healthy and play in together for a couple weeks. This is a team and an offense that's going to improve as the season goes along. We all knew that coming in, that they were likely to start a little bit slower, as they did, and now they're starting to turn it on. On the hand of the Patriots, Cam Newton is struggling, and it's not just him. That Patriots offense is bad in terms of supporting cast, and we saw that last year, even when they had Tom Brady. Their receivers are awful. Izzo, the tight end, probably shouldn't be on an NFL roster, at least not in a starting role. Their offensive line is not what we're used to seeing up there in New England. 
But, you know, I've got to push back. And I've been pushing back on this for a couple weeks, but all the talk about the Patriots' offense is actually better with Cam Newton. Oh, look, now see what the Patriots can do now that they have a quarterback who's mobile, now that they have a younger, more athletic guy behind center. And that's just absolutely laughable at this point. Cam Newton has two touchdown passes and six interceptions in his last seven starts. He's 2-10 and ten in his last 12 starts. I get it. He's got potential. He's got the talent. But we haven't seen it since 2015. And I think we're still holding on to that a little too much. We're giving Cam Newton a little too much benefit of the doubt. And he's got to prove it. It's been a long time since he's played really good football. And especially consistently. So... Hit the brakes on the Patriots, and in particular, the talk about Cam Newton saving them and their offense actually being better with Cam Newton, because so far, that's absolutely not the case. So, at least for this week, Tom Brady, you are winning the Belichick versus Brady Battle for Dynasty Credit Award. Next one, Meme of the Week. I think everybody's seen this one by now, but this has to go to the Dallas Cowboys fan who is sitting there crying as his team is down... 30 points with his girlfriend kissing him on the cheek. An absolutely hysterical and terribly sad photo all at the same time. We've all experienced that pain at some point, but it's hard to feel too bad for a Cowboys fan. They always seem to talk the loudest, come into the season with the most hype, and continuously they fall short. Andy Dalton was not good, but that loss is not on Andy Dalton. Their offensive line is decimated. Ezekiel Elliott cannot hold on to the football at all. And the defense is awful. Now there's all sorts of rumors coming out that the players are saying that the coaches, they don't even know how they have the jobs, that they're incredibly unprepared and have no idea how to communicate the plan or adjust mid-game. Some pretty harsh criticism from the players leaking out now. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Dallas And they have all this criticism, and it seems like the sky is falling, yet they sit in first place of the NFC least, a division made up of four teams that through six weeks combined for five wins, an absolutely staggering number. So meme of the week, Cowboys fan that was crying with his girlfriend kissing him on the cheek. Last award, the fake good fantasy player of the week, and that goes to Kirk Cousins. I'm especially, I'm still a little salty about this. I was playing Kirk Cousins in one of my leagues. I look up most of the way through the game. He's got negative two points. He's thrown three interceptions. I'm feeling good about my situation. And then all of a sudden, it's garbage time. And Kirk Cousins steps up yelling, you like that, as he just gains all sorts of fantasy points in absolute garbage time. He ends up with 24 fantasy points. An absolute joke. He was awful, and it's a little bit unfortunate that fantasy football rewards that, but that is kind of the name of the game there. All right. To recap the Bolstered Up Sports best bets, we had a couple winners in the Steelers, which was like taking candy from a baby. I appreciate the public continuously backing the Browns and making this a gimme. The Steelers only laying a field goal. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. The Eagles actually was kind of a lucky break. That game was not that close, but ended up covering by plenty. Thanks to Carson Wentz's heroic performance. He was absolutely fantastic. 
going up against that staunch Ravens defense with absolutely no weapons. There's a point out there that Carson Wentz is playing alongside just one offensive starter. The rest are all reserves who have had to be inserted because of injuries. He didn't have Miles Sanders. Four of the five offensive linemen were out. Deshaun Jackson is out. Alshon Jeffrey is out. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Zach Ertz is out. And he found a way to make it somewhat competitive. Obviously, they didn't get the win. And it's going to be tough moving forward for the Eagles to get any wins. Their schedule should lighten up a little bit. They had a really tough stretch to open the year. But they are so incredibly banged up. I don't think that Carson Wentz can do enough, especially he's been struggling this year a little bit anyways. But I think he's getting a little too much blame for what's going on there in Philly. I don't think you could put just about any quarterback there and expect too many wins. We had the bad beat of the week, and arguably two of these in a way, with the Giants laying two and a half points. They're up seven in the closing seconds and let... Kyle Allen drive the field, throw a touchdown to some guy named Sims. is his first touchdown ever with 36 seconds left. And then from a betting perspective, the worst case scenario thing that could happen when you're laying two and a half is for the Washington football team to go for two there. Because now you're sitting at a situation where if they don't get it, the Giants are going to sit on the ball. You don't cover. If they do get it, The Giants are down by one with only 36 seconds left. Most likely, the best you could hope for is an attempt at a field goal. They only win by two, and you don't cover. At this point, you're praying for overtime, and Ron Rivera takes that away from you. That's tough. The next one was the over in the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. We get 38 points in the first half and only get 10 in the second half because the Green Bay Packers are so inept. That Tampa Bay defense was absolutely dominating them that it turned into a complete blowout. The teams both really shut it down, and we end up missing the over by less than a touchdown. Absolutely ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay offense absolutely let us down, but you do have to give credit to that Tampa Bay defense who was dominant And Dominican Sue was taunting Aaron Rodgers. He's a bit of a bully, but when he's being productive, it's worth it. You can take the penalty every now and then as long as he's disrupting and intimidating opposing offenses. The secondary, although young, is looking really aggressive and playing really good football under Todd Bowles' guidance. They have arguably the best linebackers in the league between White and Levante David. Absolutely electric guys. They can fly all over the field. In terms of the edge, they've got Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, they're set. Vita Vey went out, and there were some questions about, okay, how's that Tampa Bay defense going to hold up against the run? That's kind of their big run stopper in the middle. And they looked fine, and they even made a trade to get McClendon from the Jets. So we'll see if he's able to step into that role and produce for them as well. Again, Impressive by the Bucks, so unimpressive by Green Bay that we end up missing on the over. One little bit of betting advice that I want to give you is using the look-ahead line to judge which team you should back 
moving forward. A great example of this is the look-ahead line on the Rams 49ers game. So the previous week, if you look to bet on that game, the 49ers were favored by a field goal. One week later, they're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Now, sometimes that's validated, but a lot of times that's overreaction. And that's the case. We all overreacted to the way that the 49ers got their brains beat in by the Miami Dolphins. And for there to be a six to seven point swing in that game is just too much. And that's something that a lot of people picked up on and made some money. So again, a little bit of betting advice. Look at the look ahead lines. As you're placing your bets for week seven, look at what the lines are for week eight and see if there's a little bit of overreaction in the market and something you can capitalize on. Now I'm going to complain a little bit about my fantasy football team because everybody loves hearing everybody else complain about their fantasy football team because you know what? There's absolutely nobody that complains in fantasy football. No injuries ever kill their teams, right? But I just got to say, I'm still salty about Kirk Cousins. Getting 24 in garbage time was absolutely a backbreaker and cost me the victory. I had Miles Sanders go down. Joe Mixon went down. Mostert went down. And here's one thing that I think we can all relate to. The injuries happen, right? But what stinks is when you have receivers on the teams that are blowing somebody out, right? So, for example, I had Juju Smith-Schuster and I had Chris Godwin. And it's like, it's great when that offense is putting up all sorts of points. But if they don't capitalize on that early and all of a sudden they're sitting and they're up by three touchdowns, you just know. It could be early in the third quarter, but you just know, like, dang, I'm not getting any points in my wide receivers. And unfortunately, Juju only ended up with 1.6 points, a major letdown. And I had to just let a little bit of that fantasy frustration out. A little bit more of a frustrating situation are the New York Jets making their case to be one of the worst football teams we have seen in decades. Not only are they 0-6 straight up, they're 0-6 against the spread. They continue to outperform people's expectations, people's insanely low expectations. They're diving even lower have some pride up there in New York. They're going to hang on to Adam Gase for the entire season just to ensure that they end up with that number one pick. Losing to the Miami Dolphins 24-0, not even showing a little bit of fight. They have a negative 110-point differential so far this season. They're almost losing by 20 points a game. This is double The second worst team in the league, Jacksonville, has a negative 56-point differential. So, I mean, they are absolutely, again, blowing away the competition just for all of the wrong reasons. One thing that I do enjoy seeing from the Jets is they have an absolutely iconic quarterback-running-back duo in Joe Flacco and Frank Gore. These guys have been washed for years They haven't been in their primes for a decade. Frank Gore is 37. And they continue to play him as the number one back. They drafted 
a running back this year. And they will not play him. Which means either the Jets have no idea how to evaluate their roster and get the best guys out there. Could definitely be the case. Or another draft bust. And that definitely could be the case. What's new for the Jets? On a more of an optimistic note, Tua time is in full motion. Tua Tagovailoa came into the game late against the Jets to run a little bit of a two-minute drill, completed two passes, showed off that accuracy, his ability to throw on the run, and the Dolphins named Tua the starter moving forward. This was always the plan. Not that I knew it, right? But the Dolphins and Brian Flores, they knew this was always the plan. He's going to sit for five, six weeks. We're going to have our bye week seven. And he's going to have that extra week of preparation to get ready for the Los Angeles Rams. And he'll need it, especially their offensive line will need it to be able to handle Aaron Donald. Let's hope all of that goes well. But to a time, I'm, I'm excited for it. He was the number one quarterback I had coming out of this draft. I think he's incredibly accurate. You hear great things about his leadership from his teammates. He just has it to me. So I'm really excited to see him get to play. I think he's going to be electric. And that Miami team is turning it around. Still incredibly young on the offensive line. But they're performing at a pretty high level. Austin Jackson, the tackle out of USC, unfortunately did go on IR. But they've had some guys step up. Miles Gaskin in the backfield looks like a really good running back. They've got Preston Williams as far as starting to get things clicking. Devontae Parker, Jacecki out of Penn State. He's finally breaking out this year, although he had a whopping goose egg this week. But, you know, another little fantasy frustration. <laughs> but let's get away from those frustrations. And let's talk about my Tennessee Titans. 5-0. and That feels so good to say. Undefeated. It's been a while They have not won pretty this year at all. Really, every game other than the Bills game on Tuesday night has been a close game that's come down to the very end. But the reasons for optimism are they have a top-notch coach. Ryan Tannehill, you gotta give him credit. He's playing great football, not just this season, but also last season. Derrick Henry looks like a beast. They paid the man, and he's continuing to earn it. So there's a lot of reasons to expect this to continue. Although they do have the Steelers next week. That is going to be tough. They're playing at home, but that Steelers defense is incredible. Mika Fitzpatrick finally showed up this week with that pick six against the Browns and Baker Mayfield. So... That's going to be a tough test. The Steelers are the favorite, and for good reason. They have an established culture there. Mike Tomlin's been there for a long time, had a lot of success. Big Ben, obviously, as well. And now with the the breakout performances of Chase Claypool, adds another element to that offense, makes them even more explosive. Because now you're looking at having Juju, Deontay Johnson, 
Chase Claypool, and even James Washington. You got to throw him in there. He's a big play guy. Then in the backfield, you've got James Conner, who does get banged up, but Benny Snell has been able to perform well when he's had to fill in, and Big Ben looks great. I had a lot of questions about how he was going to come back after that elbow injury, where he said he tore every ligament in his elbow. It's it's honestly amazing that he's back this year and that he's playing as well as he is. you got to give him all the credit in the world. And it's going to come down to the Steelers being able to, to stop that Titans rushing attack. If you can stop the rushing attack, put more pressure on Ryan Tannehill to just drop back, and then you're going to see guys like Minka Fitzpatrick make his plays, make his mark on the game. One big note for the Steelers is they lose Devin Bush to an ACL. Devastating blow to that defense, as well as just a young player who's playing at an elite level He's so athletic. He's flying around the field. One of the best cover linebackers in the league. So it's just tough to see that for a competitor. And then on the Titans side, they lose Taylor Lewan to an ACL. He's the leader of that offensive line. He's just a nasty guy that loves blocking people, loves shoving their face in the dirt. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Titans respond. They've got to have somebody step up. Could be Isaiah Wilson, an unproven rookie. Who knows? But that's definitely a major key to watch, especially as they go up against this brutal Steelers defense with Bud Dupree, TJ Watt coming off the edge. That's going to be a test for whoever steps up into that left tackle role. All right, now I've got some questions from the mailbag. I appreciate everybody for submitting their questions, and we have some absolutely great ones. From my guy, Baker, the real Baker, the great Baker. Can Nick Foles lead the Bears deep into the playoffs? You know, I've been really hesitant to give the Bears any credit at all, really. But the more and more I think about it this week, even though their win over the Panthers wasn't extremely impressive, I really think if they can get into the playoffs, which they're 5-1 right now, they can have what it takes to pull off a couple upsets in the playoffs. They've got a really good defense with pass rush and playmaking ability in the secondary. Eddie Jackson will make plays and get some turnovers, and same with Khalil Mack, right? That's always a big key in any game, and especially the playoffs. And then we've just seen Nick Foles come up big in big moments. So I think when it comes down to it, if you're in the playoffs – and you have one of the higher seeds, I don't think you want to see the Bears. That's going to be a bit of a tough matchup. On the other side, they do only have a plus 12 point differential, so they're winning a lot of close games, kind of similar to my Titans, to be honest. The offense has not been good, even with the insertion of Nick Foles. I think it's been a little bit better, but not much at all. But the defense has been really good, top three. A lot of the DVOA analytics really like this defense so I think if you're the Bears you've got to be really optimistic they've got to test they're traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams and one kind of key note here is they're five and a half point underdogs which is kind of a shock that means Vegas is really pushing back on the Bears too they're really taking note of that only plus 12 point differential and that the offense is still a bottom-tier offense. So Vegas doesn't believe in the Bears, but 
you know, I, I think if they get in the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out. That's for sure. All right, my dad coming in with his questions, and he went a little crazy. He got three of them in. So is Tampa Bay for real? Absolutely. Tampa Bay Gronkineers are absolutely for real. It was awesome to see Gronkowski score a touchdown first time since 2018. But Gronk's not the reason that Tampa Bay is for real. It's Tom Brady. It's the offensive weapons that they have. It's their offensive line. If they can continue to avoid penalties like they did against Green Bay. That's going to be the only thing that shuts down the Tampa Bay Bucks is the penalties. Because they have the weapons. Tom Brady is not washed. He's playing great. And that defense is dominant. Also, a lot of the advanced analytics really like this Tampa Bay team. So they are for real. You've got to consider them to be the NFC South favorites and one of the very top NFC favorites. Tannehill or Henry, the MVP. See, this one's tough because the Titans are 16-0 when Derrick Henry has 100 or more yards rushing, right? So that makes me thank Derrick Henry, but I'm always going to side with the quarterback And when you look at Ryan Tannehill, he's playing elite football. I was hesitant about him coming into the season. Was it a fluke what we saw last year? And he's continuing his great play. The foundation of that offense is the run game, but the run game gets shut down if Ryan Tannehill is not making people pay on the back end. Last question from you, Dad. What's wrong with the Rams' offense? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with the Rams' offense. I think you got to take a step back relax. In terms of DVOA, they're top five in team offense, top 10 in passing offense, and the number one rushing offense. One thing to take note is their schedule was really weak, especially prior to the 49ers. Their schedule was really weak, and they beat up on some bad teams. This Bears defense will be a big test for them this weekend, so it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. I think they lack a little bit of explosion, if I was going to pick on one thing. And their defense needs to do a better job turning the ball over, creating some short fields for the Rams. All right, a couple Titans questions from the What Offseason Sports podcast. What makes the Titans a real contender? And from Titans Power O, is it time to take Tannehill seriously? All right, so I'm going to pair these together because... What makes the Titans a real contender is Ryan Tannehill. He's 12-3 with the Titans in the regular season over the past two seasons and 2-1 in the playoffs. That's absolutely incredible, 14-4 overall. And we absolutely have to consider them a contender. I know they have flaws and they're winning some close games, but when you look at Ryan Tannehill and he's completing 70% of his passes, 13 touchdown passes, two interceptions, He's playing at an elite level. He's not somebody that we've considered elite for a long time. So we're going to have to start changing our opinions of Ryan Tannehill because he's proven it now for 18 games. He's been really good with the Titans. So he's the reason that they're a contender. But also you have to mention Derrick Henry in that rushing attack is dominant. It's bruising. It's punishing. But Derrick Henry is also explosive. He reminded us of that against the Texans this week as he ran for a 94-yard touchdown. 
they put him in the Wildcat to seal the game. He's electric. And you might not think that because, okay, he's not going to juke you the same as Saquon or he can't catch the ball out of the backfield like Alvin Kamara can. But Derrick Henry makes big plays just like those guys. And he'll punish you while doing it and intimidate you as well. So the Titans are real contenders. It starts with that offense. Ryan Tannehill as the focal point with Derrick Henry doing his thing against 16-0 when he rushes for over 100 yards. That defense has to shape up a little bit. And there is that question mark about left tackle with Taylor Lewan out. But as of now, from what we've seen for the Titans over the last 18 games now, you absolutely have to consider them legitimate contenders. From the Robson Sportscast, what NFC South team has the brightest future? Well, I would say Tampa Bay. But I understand you're probably looking a little bit more long-term, although I think Tampa Bay is really set up to be a top-notch NFC team for at least this year and the next. I think the Saints are the team with more question marks this year as well as next year if Drew Brees does end up retiring. In terms of the Falcons, they've got talent, but who knows? We've really got to wait to see what coach they hire as well as what GM and what route they want to take with that team. There's been some rumors about maybe trading Matt Ryan at the end of the season, maybe even Julio Jones going complete rebuild. So we'll have to wait and see. I will say I really like what I see in Charlotte, North Carolina with the Panthers. Matt Rule is really doing a great job there. The offense looks pretty good. They're getting the most out of Teddy Two Gloves as possible. They're using their weapons in the right way. And it's just really nice seeing a coach do that. Christian McCaffrey goes out. They still are able to get a lot of production out of the backfield with Mike Davis. Robbie Anderson looks great in that offense. They've got speed all over the place. And they used every draft pick this year on the defensive side of the football. That defense is still not good, but that's to be expected. They're really young. And I think they're going to improve along the year as well as next year. I think we could see this be a team that really pops next year, especially considering the quarterback position. Maybe I need to wait one more year on that after Teddy Two Gloves, but I really like what I'm seeing in Carolina. From the next great, who will win the NFC North and NFC East? NFC North, to me, is still the Green Bay Packers. Don't overreact to what we saw in Tampa Bay. It's one game. They looked good for four games, looked bad for one. I understand the previous four were against lowly competition, but they've got Aaron Rodgers. They were 13-3 and last year. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I think you got to go with the Packers here. As far as the NFC East, who knows? Like I said, this is a division who has combined for five wins so far. I mean, the Cowboys are in the lead, but show, show nothing to say that they want to win this division. It almost seems like every team is just content to move on to next season other than the Washington football team with Ron Rivera going for two. They're the only team, in my opinion, that's like showing any life. I will say the Giants play hard, but Danny Dimes is just not that guy. The Eagles are incredibly banged up. Cowboys dysfunctional as well as injuries. Washington just playing stinks. So... 
Who cares? That's my answer to that one. <laughs> From William Lindquist, who are your top five teams in the NFL? All right. I won't put these in order right now, but I'll just say my top five. Chiefs, Steelers, Seattle, Bucks, and that last spot is really a toss-up right now. Ravens, Packers, Titans. I think those are the three teams kind of fighting for that fifth spot. But all those teams have quality quarterback play and good head coaches. And that's the recipe, right? You have quality quarterback play and a good head coach. You're going to be a good team, particularly when it comes playoff time. And all those teams, with the exception of Seattle, have good defenses. I know Kansas City's can be up and down a little bit, but I really like what I'm seeing out of that top tier in the NFL. From Sam Lynn, 88, why has Russell Wilson never received an MVP vote? Is this year his year? This year is definitely looking like his year. There will be pressure on him each and every week. I think Seattle's going to continue to play some of these close games where Russell Wilson has got to execute, play at a high level in the fourth quarter, and I believe that he will. Why he hasn't received an MVP vote, that's kind of tough. I mean, he's definitely been in the conversation, but at the same time, should he really have gotten an MVP over Lamar Jackson? No. Over Patrick Mahomes a previous year, no. And those are the main two years where he's been deserving. And in my opinion, he's been number two both of those years. So it is kind of crazy thinking that he hasn't received any MVP votes. But, you know, he's right there. He's finally getting his respect. And I think this year is the year that he's going to pull it off, win an MVP. And I wouldn't mind seeing him win a Super Bowl as well. But I'd rather see the Titans win one. From my uncle Miguel, if the Jets continue to lose and have the first overall pick, should they draft Trevor Lawrence? I'm actually going to pair this with another question from Sports in the Big Apple. What are the chances Trevor Lawrence stays in school to avoid the Jets? Okay, first, the Jets will continue to lose, and I'll be shocked if they don't have the first overall pick. I think the only chance is that Sam Darnold somehow squeaks out a couple wins from them. But if he were to do that, I think they would probably just bench him. They're in pretty solid tank mode. So I think the Jets are a shoe-in for that number one pick. I absolutely believe that they should draft Trevor Lawrence. You hear great things about him from everybody involved with the Clemson program. In terms of a prospect, he does everything well. He's a Tall, strong athlete, mobile. He has good straight line speed, the arm strength necessary. So I think if you're the Jets, don't overthink it. Draft Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. In regards to what are the chances that he would stay in school to avoid the Jets, I think that's just about at zero. These players have more leverage now, and I know he doesn't play baseball, But I think you could see him pull a Eli Manning or a John Elway. One of those guys where they hold out. They tell the team, hey, New York, you can draft me, but I will never play for you. I think that is more likely than him just staying in school to avoid the Jets. I think it could be more effective having a team trade up to get him. So that's that's what I would see out of that. I appreciate everybody's questions. 
Thank you so much. We've had such a great NFL season. There's been some bumps in the road, but the NFL's done a great job of navigating it. Six weeks down, 11 more to go in the regular season. Then the playoffs, the Super Bowl will be here before you know it. Let's cherish every moment. And one last thing. Free Darnold 2020. Jets, please, free Darnold. Get him to the Colts. Get him to the Steelers. Let Sam Darnold out of New York. Thank you for listening to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. Make sure to stay tuned for more great sports content on my Instagram, my Twitter. I've got a TikTok now as well as the podcast. And also tune in to the Ryan Show Sports. i got an account on Instagram as well as TikTok. And I've got an NFL show for the Ryan Show Sports that will be debuting on YouTube and the radio this weekend. Should be this Saturday, so make sure to stay tuned.